0: On today's episode, the production team reflects on lessons learned this year, trusting the process, and going where our energies take us next. Let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the NASPA Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Vichinu, and I'm joined today for the last time this season by my lovely and talented production team of Dr. Brittany DeVise, Dr. Anna Maya and soon to be Dr. Derek Pacheco. How is everybody?
1: Great. Good.
2: Good.
0: We're
3: swimming through. So <laughs>
2: swimming through end of the semester swimming through.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Right before we got started, Derek was regaling me the tale of how one of his students had his mindset shifted as as part of the last assignment in his class. Derek, are, are you willing to share a little bit of that story with everybody else?
3: Yeah, of course. So one of my students, um, he so graciously, and as we all come as leadership educators in classroom settings, come to. Realize our students don't tend to read everything that we assign them to read. Um, and that's also totally fine because I think we're also all guilty of that at some point in our careers. But he had mentioned that after reading Shifting the Mindset, which was edited by V and Dr. Kathy Guthrie, um, he said that his his mindset was for sure shifted. And I said, well, I'm glad that the title of the book <laughs> Made its mission complete. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, Learning outcome achieved. Mm -hmm. Correct. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a very interesting thing. And I told V in full transparency, I had graded that later on in the night. And I said, that was my cue to close my laptop for the Mm -hmm. night and Mm -hmm. take some rest for myself. So Uh There's uh, always
2: uh, one of those assignments that you read if you're grading late at night. And then the semester you read and you're like, I'm done today. Today <laughs> oh. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: That That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When the student's deepest reflection is the title of the reading assignment, you know it's the end of the He
2: at least changed the order. You know, he did <laughs> right. change a tense or two. You know, he got creative.
0: That's right. That's right. This episode is very bittersweet because we find ourselves at the end of this journey together. So before we launch into our final episode. We wanted to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us and for all of your hard work this and every academic year. As we turn to celebrate the end of our time together, why not do an icebreaker in the last episode? Because, you know, we love a good icebreaker, right?
1: Yes. (laughs) Leadership education
0: survives
3: on icebreakers.
0: (laughs) Yes. So here's one to get us started with today's conversation. Could you take a few moments and maybe think about what is one thing you learned this academic year that was the most unexpected. This can be from an unexpected place, an unexpected lesson, a conversation you weren't necessarily prepared to have, but happened to you anyway. And Derek, I was curious if maybe you'd be willing to start us off.
3: Yeah, of course. For me, I think something that I learned unexpected, and this this is more of my role as an instructor, I would say, last time I taught, I teach, as I mentioned before, probably in the few episodes, I teach the Latinx leadership course at Florida State University. And for me, one of the things is that my students the past two semesters have told me to um, not be so nice and to toughen mm-hmm. up and be able to grow that thick skin, because there are some students that take advantage of that. And they they notice, obviously, I notice as well, right? But I lead from an empathetic point of view, right? That's where I think I thrive best, especially as an instructor. I know we always get such a good reputation in our leadership courses and Brittany could envy as well because you mm. talked as well can maybe point to that. We get such a good reputation of bringing the humanistic aspect into the classroom. Mm. Um, so I know that some of my students are struggling. And some of my students... Maybe struggling and don't necessarily vocalize that struggle, right? So I always try to make sure I lead from a place of empathy, especially in the classroom, because I know the role that grading and academics play in the future of some of these students, especially knowing the population that I study um, with um, Latinx individuals, I know at times they are disadvantaged in certain systems in society. So I always lead with that kind of concept in my head. So a lot of my students were like, yeah, it's good to do that, but also make sure that you're protecting your peace and making mm-hmm. sure that you give everybody that equal amount of time. And then that's when I brought in the what is equal versus what is equity conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. So some students may, I may need to extend that a little bit more, right? But they said just know who you should extend it to. So my students, a lot of times I feel like I teach them pedagogical tools like that they can use in their places. And some of my education majors I've taught them like how to use certain electronic, you know, softwares and things like that as well to help them. But I think a lot of times we don't sit and do the critical reflection of, they also teach us a lot more than what we probably teach them Mm -hmm. because they can pick up the book, read the book, maybe understand a few things and do certain things as well in our textbooks that we use in our courses. But it's when we engage in that critical reflection and that feedback, that's the key, right? I think to leadership in a lot of different ways and plot twist. If none of us know this, all instructors are, we're all leaders. instructors are definitely <laughs> leaders in a lot more capacities than what we think so it just it had me reflecting heavily as I take that into the next iteration of when I teach this course in a year and to the other courses I'll be teaching in between throughout that as well so that was something very unexpected because I thought that was just a a one-off thing oh was Derek first time teaching this course maybe that's why they told him to grow that thick skin and as a human being I think I have that but as like I said before as an instructor it looks a little a little bit more um empathetical if that comes mm-hmm.
0: to sense. Yeah, definitely the balance between empathy and rigor, right? Like mm-hmm. we want to be kind teachers, but we also want to be good teachers. Right. And those two things aren't mutually exclusive until they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's something that new instructors, veteran instructors, people at all levels, we all we all struggle with that, right? Because it it is, <laughs> to make a joke I made on the last episode, it is trying to hit a moving target while you yourself are also moving, right? Mm-hmm. And Correct. And so I, I do wonder sometimes about do we have a capacity to be kind to other people if we're unkind to ourselves? And what yeah. does that mean? And do we have the capacity to hold people to high standards that are realistic and reasonable for them, not necessarily the standard that we would want for them, right? What is the standard they would mm-hmm. want for them? And trying to balance those those two things it's a it's a heavy lift, right? It's a, it's a hard it's what makes doing what we do so challenging in a lot of ways.
3: Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and you just hear the stories from other departments, and it's not to bash no one right or anything, but I think sure. it's just interesting that they say do hear such things and i'm like you're you're a human being first right like yes you're a student and like yes you hold that hat and yes you're a leader and all these kinds of conversations but making sure like the baseline to be a leader mm-hmm. is to be a human right mm-hmm. and if you can't look at it like that then i just i i worry sometimes right for other people so mm-hmm. i'm glad that i can at least provide that space for my students because i know sometimes they may not be able to get that in other places yeah, yeah. absolutely
0: Brittany. What, what do you think about unexpected things we learned this semester or yeah, this year? Some-
2: Mine builds off of Derek. So it actually came to me yesterday a little bit. So my gender class at Florida State is one I really cherished the last four years. And after last semester, I got to teach with someone who, that I love. It was wonderful to co-teach. and Our students were so engaged and they got so much out of it. And how V and I were talking about, you know, coming to these end of ceremony year things and several of our students have asked has come as like faculty mentors and they were just a really wonderful group and then I got this semester and they're all wonderful students but their engagement has been a lot lower attendance is sometimes hit or miss with the semester ebbs and flows and you know I was processing somewhere I'm like maybe this was a good sign for me to kind of like let this go class go as I transition to my new role and and not think of it as this like kind of mystical unicorn of like this perfect space that we created and whatever it was and You know, even to the point where one time I sat down with the the students that were in class and I said, what's going on? Like, what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong that you won't be here? And we navigated a good conversation reflection of in previous semesters when students got really, really stressed in their other courses they liked coming to the LDR classes as a safe space, right? Of like, I know I can engage, I'm in community. I still feel like I'm doing my academic work I'm supposed to be doing, but I feel like this is a good place for me to just have a break from the rest of it. Mm -hmm. And this semester they were really honest and were like, well, with everything else, I just, I literally can't. I don't have anything left in me to engage. And I don't want to show up and be disengaged. So I just don't come sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it was a good processing. And, you know, it was good insight from them and whatever. So I was taking the semester. I was like, it wasn't a bad semester. It Mm -hmm. was just, it happened. And we did the class we were supposed to and, you know, leaving feeling fine about it. And then I ask them always to do an end-of-semester evaluation. I have them grade their own engagement, depending on how much they had in the tank and what they gave, what they had. Mm -hmm. So it's always really good to hear, like, you hear a lot of insight they weren't comfortable to share the rest of the semester of, like, hey, you know, I know I missed this many classes, but I had this going on that didn't feel comfortable talking about yet or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you get to hear good insight there, but the question before that is, do you have any feedback for Brittany as an instructor so she can keep developing moving forward? Like, what... Mm -hmm can I take from you all that they more comfortable sharing in a survey usually than to my face Mm -hmm. and their feedback was really wonderful. But the theme that kept coming up was kindness Mm -hmm. and like how they hadn't had a professor meet them with kindness before. Mm -hmm. And I had this like tension last night of like, okay, well I felt like I was kind of hard on them that sometimes they weren't there. They weren't engaging or not hard and like, you know, super rigorous or like, doing pop quizzes by any means but like sometimes being like hey what's going on like why are you all not here like what's going on but again like Derek mentioned I think the the way that we can model the way for what leadership looks like and sometimes that's just being understanding and saying like hey give what you have to give Mm -hmm. um and we'll navigate the rest of that and make sure you can finish in the ways that feel right to you so I think sitting with some of that unexpectedness of like it's not a direct correlation between engagement and what they're taking away from the course sometimes Mm -hmm. right or how we've known engagement to look like pedagogically before yeah so i think i'm still noodling on that since it's new but like what rethinking of like how students achieve learning outcomes Mm -hmm. and it's not always the a to b that v and i joked about last episode of like the a to b of the perfect line of like I teach them something and then they get it or they're in class it means they like the class and it's not always that easy to understand And I think oftentimes I think what it makes you want to do in upcoming semesters of teaching is have more of those informal check-ins of like what's going on how can I support you how is the class actually going, and more of those one-on-one settings, because that's where I'm getting better feedback. We do a lot of that in class. Like Our ice break will be like, one well, we're checking on the class, and one well, more checking on your paper, or whatever it is too, but actually getting some of that data earlier on than the end for me to be like, okay, so it is – they are getting what I need them to get beyond just having the like graded assignments that show me some of that too. Again, it's not always as crystal clear as we make it to be like, if students come to your class, they must enjoy it enough, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, Brittany, you, you reminded me of when I was first when I was first teaching. I used to take it very personally when people wouldn't come to the class. Right, I would mm-hmm. see that as a personal failing. I'm either not informative enough, I'm not entertaining enough. Like there's something, some element mm-hmm. that I'm not bringing to the table that is driving people away. And the, the longer I've been doing this work, the more I realize it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like when okay. a student doesn't come to class or big groups of students don't show up, which, which actually has been a problem in even my class this semester, it's because they've got something else going on. There's mm-hmm. some other demand that they're trying to meet. There's some other pressure that they're trying to confront. And- yeah, I do think on some level, it does go back to kindness, right? Like we design our mm-hmm. courses to be transformational, but mm-hmm. our students are increasingly showing up for an educational experience that is transactional. yeah. And we are now asked to stand in the gap between those two things. And perhaps the way that we do that is exactly what you were talking about, exactly mm-hmm. what Derek was talking about. It's it's the kindness and perhaps also the clarity, right? The clarity of this is why we're here. These Mm -hmm. are the things we have agreed to work on together and to maybe lighten up the reins and say, however you go about doing that, I'm going to be here to support and to mentor and to put, you know, a safety net under you or rails on you so that you don't go too far afield. But if you don't come to every class, if you don't do like Derek, if you don't do every reading assignment, right? Mm -hmm. Like if everything is not, not everything has to be, not every individual thing has to be transformational but perhaps we can build transformation up to, we can build up to transformation through a series of transactional elements mm-hmm. and it, even like even he, my, hearing myself say that it doesn't feel good like it, that doesn't jive yeah. with my like ethos of pedagogy right but i also like but if that's where people are at that that's where they're at right mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe when i think I about
2: to... all the time i i started it and i i typically do this but i started making it more academic focused. where when students are coming into class i'll stop by each other kind of spaces individually it's like mm-hmm. Hey, V, how you doing? Like, what's going Mm -hmm. on? Like, how was your trip this weekend? Or whatever, if I remember if they share that stuff, I started making the more academic focus of like, how are other classes going? What is going on? Because what I've learned is a lot of the students this semester had like one sip of water left in their cup, right? Like if, if you were looking at them as a cup Mm -hmm. and one sip of water left, and if they are going to miss five points for missing biology that day, Mm -hmm. or they have an exam that day, that sip of water has to go to that class. And if Mm -hmm. they know, I'll meet them with kindness and understanding and try to be supportive. They're missing it, not because they don't value the class, but because it's all they have to give and what right. well, all they have to give had to go in another direction that day. Mm-hmm. And I think too, especially with Gen Z, they're so guilt ridden by all of this, that when you ever bring it up, like, hey, V, I haven't seen class in like two days, like, is everything okay? What's going on? They come back with paragraphs of mm-hmm. like, here's everything that's going on in my life. And I I literally responded to a student yesterday that is one of our online classes. And they were telling me all this stuff. I said, don't feel like you need to share all that with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I appreciate the understanding and, and having a better sense of, you know, maybe why you missed an assignment or whatever, too. But like, that's not my right to know all of those things. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to feel like you have to dump three paragraphs of trauma onto me to like <laughs> make me understand that life happens, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's trying to do the both and of like, you can't just like skip every class mm-hmm. and not say anything because there is some level of the academy, right? Like, we have to like mm-hmm. you engage in points and attendance stuff too, but also not like you have to come back and tell me everything that's happened in your life to make you have overslept because you were up all night. Like, I don't think we need all of it. So it's teaching students like how they can advocate for themselves without having to dump
3: Mm -hmm. every
2: piece of personal information that they've ever experienced there too.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a level of it, right? Where we're preparing them for the real world and whatever Mm -hmm. that means. So providing an adequate reasoning is important. To mm-hmm. learn how to do that in a professional sense, or we're becoming mm-hmm. more open. I, I hope in the workplace too, where people can share that they're going through a difficult time or whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that balance is also really hard, especially depending on how our students are used to communicating. You know, mm-hmm. are they used to communicating in person over email? texts, emojis, mm-hmm. TikTok, mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But um, but that balance too of just, again, going back to preparing them for these encounters, right? Because if I actually don't know the reason
0: mm-hmm.
1: you're going through something, it is more difficult for me to understand. So, but yeah, d- the whole novel is not needed. Yeah. Um, and my Wait, That's a good not-
2: point, Anna. Like how do we teach them how to do this in a way that will prepare them for the careers, right? Like you can't just like ask for pto or sick days and not like share like some kind of like Mm -hmm. what's going on right you expect to be met at the workplace like hey you have a sick day like you're sick, right? Like you're not just, I like didn't feel like coming in, but also not having to say like, oh my gosh, I went to a doctor's appointment and had this and this. And I've had students send me like results of their doctor's appointment. I was like, I absolutely yeah. don't need that. Please, please. No. I would prefer not to have that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how now you're,
0: we, now you're potentially a HIPAA violation. You're like, I oh, know, we'll right? No. But,
2: and it's that capacity building, right? Like how do we teach them to actually have like the skill, social skills to navigate that. And it's like, it is, it's a happy medium. So it's hard to teach like, Hey, don't do this and do do that. It's more circumstantial, but having to do that extra coaching at the end is like, it's a, it can be a lot to navigate, right? Especially mm-hmm. at the end. <laughs> you no, know, you brought up something that makes me think of
1: one of the things I really learned this semester as well. So part of my master's was in counseling in college personal mm-hmm. services. Not a counselor by any means, but we had some counseling theory and we got exposed to seeing some clients in the counseling center that knew that we were, you know, students learning. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like I'm leaning into those skills more and more as I progress throughout my career. And I've had a lot of moments of one-on-ones with students. I've built that in. So my capstone leadership studies course, they give themselves an A. So Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the semester, they read through the syllabus. And they write about who they will become. It's based on the art of possibility. Mm -hmm. And so, and actually I have them now submit a video if they prefer, which has been interesting to receive that instead of just Mm -hmm. a paper. And then they met with me at the end of the semester to reflect on this journey. And so many of them just mentioned this idea of even having a reflection in the beginning where they read through the assignments and understood what the class was really about and what they would be learning, like setting that expectation was really important. So I'm, I'm thinking about how can I integrate this into other classes, even if they're not giving themselves any necessarily, but like this understanding of expectations. But I've also realized from these one-on-ones that I've had with the students, both in the curricular setting, but in my co-curricular program, I meet with them to check in. There's been a lot more openness mm-hmm. and vulnerability shared in those meetings that I feel like I'm engaging my coaching skills or I'm engaging my counseling Mm -hmm. skills and directing them to the counseling center, right? Whatever that might be, if it gets to Mm -hmm. that level, but there's a lot more of interpersonal conflict that our students are facing post COVID. That roommate conflict is escalating to a different kind of level or they're, they're learning how to be a good friend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes just navigating that, or maybe they are going through trauma and there's a medical issue happening with one of their family members and they're coping with that while balancing school right so this again this idea of mental health being a huge focus of leadership development and that coming up and i don't know if that's also part of me becoming more vulnerable in the co-curricular and the classroom space of sharing my own life story and my struggles which is something newer that i've been leaning into and providing like concrete examples for how i'm struggling with this decision or I'm going through like a divorce and what that means, right? So sharing a little bit of my life has opened this door for students to share their coming out journey with me. And we can Mm -hmm. talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. this integration of like the self within the leadership education is becoming more and more prominent to me. Mm -hmm. And then when I meet with students one-on-one and they're reflecting on their experiences, that one-on-one, it seems to be The greatest benefit of their learning experience is actually having this ability to really talk about their own development. I don't know where I'm going with it, but it's been interesting that I've been having and it takes up a lot of time. It's very high touch. It can be really draining. So I have moments where I come home and I'm having to figure out how to cope. Maybe I need to reach out to my friends who are therapists, right? Like they they deal with this (laughs) on a daily basis. And so um, I am not at that level, but still the empathy fatigue and like, mm-hmm. how do I cope with this and still be present and then t- turn it off when I'm home? Yeah.
3: Right. I think you have mentioned something Anna, that like stuck with me. It's that I, I'm i very transparent about my LGBTQ identity, especially in the classroom, because I think a lot of students need that visibility, especially in the context that I'm teaching in, right? Just to leave it at that. But those coming out journeys and those papers are very hard, right? Because I get those all the time. I've had five of those this semester alone. And for context, that's a third of my class, right? That have not felt comfortable saying it out loud, but have felt comfortable writing it. Right. And it's how do you how do you live in that duality of like, you also need to take care of yourself, right? Like how you mentioned like maybe I do need to call that one therapist friend. And maybe I do need to talk to someone about also being that person for your students if they need it. And at times even though we think they may need it, we have to let them kind of come to us, right? I think it's a, it's yeah. kind of like a duality to live in, which is so interesting.
1: I've realized too, if there's conflict in the classroom or someone that kind of is dismantling this positive inclusive culture that I attempt to build by me being honest of how it makes me feel or by me like self-disclosing that this is difficult for me to navigate or that I'm having a hard time because I care. It's, it's actually been a helpful way to resolve that conflict By adding the humanity into it and how I am human Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and Mm -hmm. this is hard for me and my goal is to ultimately create a positive experience for you right a positive experience always always, obviously where growth is happening and you're going through all of this development Mm -hmm. but um, overall positive so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah definitely I think that you know we've been talking a little bit about how students do, do or do not let us into their lives whether it's that after class conversation or the three paragraph long email and i have to believe that it on some level is the payoff for the investments that we make in those relationships right like i have we we operate in some regards fundamentally differently from say a student's biology teacher or history mm-hmm. teacher or math teacher mm-hmm. right not to say that those disciplines aren't important but those instructors aren't often helping people become better or different versions of themselves for the future But we are (laughs) right. We are in profound ways. And so as a result of doing that work, which which and it is work, right? It's cognitive load, it's emotional labor. It has huge payoffs um, that sometimes it has huge payoffs that aren't always immediately apparent either, right? Like the small bit of kindness we might give to a student at the beginning of the semester might not we might not see the that bear fruit for years down the line. But then we are also the ones that they come back to and say, that conversation you had, I-, I appreciate you listening to me, right? The advice that you gave me was good. I didn't follow all of it, but here's what happened as a result. And then we do really become part of the fundamental infrastructure that people use to shape the trajectory of their lives. But we don't always know, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And even when we do, we don't always know exactly what we did or said in those moments to have that kind of impact. We're all just trying to do the best we can with what we've got,
3: right? And
1: I think that's what I struggle with is the, that what you're talking about, V, that energy that we put into this work, mm-hmm. that load, it is very burnout mm-hmm. prone. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I I find myself very, very drained. And, and I don't know if a, a math professor necessarily would have to process through this. And there's that much of themselves that they're mm-hmm. giving you the work in a way where it can affect themselves. Mm-hmm. Too. I'm sorry, maybe there are math professors that really should sure. it. And I'm just saying that because I'm unaware of that field, but just, you are putting yourself out there in such a way where that safety is important too, especially if you're a person with a lot of intersecting non-dominant identities that can take a toll Mm -hmm. and it can take a toll in the political environment you're in is also not really open. Balancing that is, is, is tough. And I, I feel like I'm figuring out how to do that. And then there are days where I'm like, wow. Maybe we mm-hmm. need to come together
0: as a community and like have group therapy or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. for sure. Well, you got me thinking about the rhetoric of like hard skills and soft skills, right? And a lot of what we teach in leadership is often referred to as a soft skill. And, and there's a part of me that's like, no, actually someone who's technically proficient at math and science and engineering, like the, this is actually their hard skill. This is the thing that it's actually difficult for them to be. At. So it's not soft just because it's human. Anything can mm-hmm. be a hard skill if you're bad at it. Yeah,
2: V, what about you? What did you learn this semester?
0: Yeah, so that's a great question. And and part of my reflection comes from the fact that I knew that I was leaving to come to join Florida State so early in the spring semester, which fundamentally changed the way my last term here has taken form and shape. And it is really – so between knowing that I was leaving and this year's most recent NASPA conference really drew into sharp relief for me this theme this year for me about connection – right? And what it means to not just connect with people, but to let people into your life in a certain way. And what it means to let go of certain people and relationships that aren't serving any good capacity like right? any, anything good in, in someone's life. My colleague, at the University of Illinois Dave Rush at the beginning of the pandemic used to talk about his concerns around the slow unwinding of human connection that was occurring as we did things like spending less time together, spending more time remotely, not going into offices or celebrating milestone experiences with one another and his deep concern that you know regardless of how long the pandemic was going to last that that slow unwinding of human connection was going to be really damaging to lots of people and perhaps more importantly to the to the actual fabric of society right like we were we literally un- wove <laughs> said the conference weaver mm-hmm. the, the fabric of society <laughs> and and what i see what i have seen i think over the past years that i the past year rather that i wasn't expecting was the re of human connection mm-hmm. and that if each of us are threads in that tapestry of humanity that as we come back to that we get to redefine who we are what's important to us how we want to connect what those connections are built out of and that gives us opportunities like i have tried to take every opportunity i can to redefine myself to the people around me and to in order to give them permission to do the same thing with me we are not the same people we were as as short as 9 months ago when this these academic contracts and you know orientation and move in and all the great and wonderful things we do at the beginning of the year and i think that really I was sort of playing around with this idea. It was kind of floating around amorphously in my head, but it wasn't until I was walking around this year's NASPA and I saw this. So that was, this was just my second in-person conference since everything went remote. And to see people reconnect, reconvene, use the social capital and the social networks that they had built since the last time we had all seen each other to either reinforce, redefine, renegotiate boundaries, relationships. And at least for, you know, Brittany, you and I, we are staring down the barrel of, you know, changing where we live, changing the Mm -hmm. work that we do, connecting and reconnecting with professional colleagues, figuring out what that means for the significant others in our lives, our friendships, our families. Mm -hmm. All of that, to me, is still that, fits that broader theme of connection and reconnection. Even Mm -hmm. now, we've been talking about, like, our relationships with students. Mm -hmm. And Anna, you've been talking about, like, the toll that that horizontal disclosure can take on us right and so as I think about when I go to my new environment what what then is going to what then is horizontal disclosure going to look like for me mm-hmm. if I have an intention of how I want those relationships to take shape and form right if, if there are going to be new or different people I let into my life what are who is the V they're going to know Because that is a choice, right? And if I just sort of enter into it haphazardly, carelessly, without a lot of forethought or strategy associated with it, then it means those relationships form in ways that are not well defined, careless, not concerned with other people's well being. And that's not who I want to be right? That's not who I want to be in relationship with others. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that ever was really who I was, but it like this experience of this year has given me new cause, a new call to action, as it were, to form and shape relationships, not just that are helpful to me, but helpful to other people so that we can be a new and different and authentic community together. And I wasn't expecting that. I definitely wasn't expecting that going into this year at all.
2: Yeah.
1: That's awesome. (laughs)
2: Yeah. It's the reconnection post-COVID, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going better than most of us expected, but it also mm-hmm. has its new own challenges and mm-hmm. and just navigation that none of us were used to before.
3: 100%. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a brave new world out there. Should we be willing to embrace it? Mm-hmm. And one of one of my fears too is that so many people are Potentially wanting to just go back to the way things were and not actually seizing this moment as an Mm -hmm. opportunity for what it is. And I feel like for a lot of people, they weren't getting out of the world what they needed to thrive in the first place. So why go back if it's only going to be familiar, right? Mm -hmm. Like the devil, you know, (laughs) is not necessarily the best option. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Totally
0: agreed. So with that being said, I think it might be time for a short break. And as we break, I encourage you, dear listeners, to consider what the biggest unexpected lesson you learned this year was. We'll be right back with more from the NASPA Student Leadership Podcast team. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, While reflection can be a powerful tool for teaching and learning, projecting toward the future can also motivate us toward growth. Uh, So I'm curious, you know, team, as as we look toward the future, what are you most hopeful or optimistic for? To give everybody a time to to think of an answer, I will start us off. Uh, So when I think about the thing that i am most optimistic for i think that it it does relate actually to to the last response i gave about what i'm you know most reflective and thankful for the renegotiation of roles and responsibilities and connections and relationships to me i start to think of it of as the the yes and of all things so i have i've have learned a, a little bit recently to think about you know, my time, my energy, my focus, my attention as gifts, right? Like if they were physical, mm. tangible objects, these are gifts that I give to my students, to my colleagues, to my co-workers, to my friends, to my family. And one of the things that I, as a person, have gotten very comfortable with is giving a lot of these gifts away without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. which isn't always the healthiest thing in the world, right? Like if you expect to give and give and give, that's a pretty good recipe for burnout. And so one of the things I'm excited for is as I move into a new phase of my life and my career to say, yes, I'm willing to give these gifts. And when the universe presents me with gifts I am to receive, to learn how to receive them appropriately. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Brittany, you know, you you and I were just talking about some of these kinds of things, right? How it can be difficult to accept the the things we weren't necessarily looking for, right? Like yeah. we were talking about what does it mean when something comes into your life that you weren't necessarily expecting, but was exactly what you needed mm-hmm. in that moment and being open to the possibilities. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about is going to a new place that is somewhat familiar. Like I've, so I've, I've lived in Tallahassee before. I, I haven't worked mm-hmm. for Florida State for a minute, But uh, to not just be willing to give gifts, but to receive the ones from unexpected places, because they very well could be exactly what I was looking for the whole time and either didn't know or Mm -hmm. simply wasn't willing to admit to myself.
2: Yeah. I think that the one we're talking about too is the intention of it, right? Like the intention Mm -hmm. of saying like, I'm open to that. Because I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes those gifts are probably right in front of us. And we're just like, no, I'm on my trajectory. I know exactly what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um. And being willing to sit in it. Yeah. And I think be comfortable waiting, right? Like yep. waiting for that to come because it's not going to be right when you're ready to receive mm-hmm. a new project or opportunity or experience mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. course or mm-hmm. um, personal achievement or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Sometimes it's the sitting and waiting. That's the hard part.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think tying it back to what you said, Brittany, is also being comfortable in the uncomfortableness of things, mm-hmm. right? Of, of Being uncomfortable in that process just looks so interesting right tying it back we all know leadership's a relational process right but how how do we also make that an interrelational and intra-relational process I think mm. is that mm. kind of looks looks a little different on both ends of that kind of conversation
0: yeah Anna I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that or if you have we'd like to share what you're most excited about moving forward
3: yeah I I
1: was gonna. I was thinking a little bit differently, and it's both something I'm excited about yet terrified as well.
0: Yes, yes, and. Uh, the yes end of all things. Yes.
1: So I downloaded Chat GPT this week, oh. and uh, I was I started taking this like short course on artificial intelligence and what Chat GPT is. And so for those of you that don't know, it's this language processor. So you literally can create an account on OpenAI.com, I think it is, and um, mm-hmm. on there just type in like something as as like create a facilitation reflection activity for college students and It created two two truths and a lie when I typed that in, but it is fascinating what what it can do. You can generate a cover letter. You can have students put in their dream job and it generates a resume for them, but it can also generate like papers Mm -hmm. or classes. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of ethics coming out with chat GPT. I think, especially as we think about leadership, how can we spend less time creating certain things from scratch Mm -hmm. when you already have format and it it can make us more efficient or have more time to connect in different, deeply more meaningful ways and spend less time on this procedural. But then again, are we going to have issues where, you know, creativity declines Mm -hmm. and we have ethical dilemmas with, is it plagiarizing if the computer is creating this paper for you, right? Mm -hmm. This is not your work. Or maybe is it providing a baseline where your work could be even deeper? I think Mm -hmm. thinking about different ways where, again, harnessing technology and using technology and adapting as an educator to be able to better prepare our graduates is so important. So I'm excited yet terrified. Mm -hmm. I still don't really know what this means. And I think we're just starting to really talk about it. Mm -hmm. But considering ChatGPT is like open and public and free, it seems like it's really advancing quickly Mm -hmm. as a resource. Mm
0: Yeah, I could totally imagine a scenario where <clears throat> one of us as instructors says, build me a course on servant leadership that involves writing reflection <laughs> and a research paper and an in-class presentation. And it spits out the syllabus for us complete with assignments and point values. Right. Then we give yeah. it to students. They just take that same syllabus, stick it right back into chat GPT. And, it, and then, and then basically yeah. the AI is talking to itself through us.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. The like, is yeah. anybody
0: learning anything other than how to use the software? <laughs> yeah, It's scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. There there are a
1: lot of thoughts there. I'm excited to have more conversations about this and and see. I'm really lucky because um, there's a person in my office, Emily Morris, who works with me. So she's like in tune with all these techie things. So she's always filling me in on new things and having Mm -hmm. someone that you can partner with that connects you to this kind of technology, I think is so important as we evolve as educators and and things are moving fast, right? Like I'm really leaning into those Adaptive leadership models and mm-hmm. how are we going to reconstruct, co construct with AI things? Who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, good on you, Anna, for for staying up on your technology competency. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a real problem. Well, I shouldn't say it's a real problem, it's a real opportunity. And mm-hmm. we're going to have to figure this out. Potentially together. problem.
1: I th- actually <laughs> think that I'm talking right now, but it's really a robot that's
3: been <laughs> the whole time. You just haven't been able to tell. That's the plot twist. Welcome to the new season. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Go from chat GPT to teach GPT to podcast mm-hmm. GPT. And then all of a sudden we don't need hosts anymore. We just tell it what to talk about. And it generates yeah. 60 to 90 minutes of conversation. On exactly. <laughs> Brittany, what about you? What are you looking forward to in the future?
2: Yeah, I took the question slightly more like you, but I have two parts. For um, one for the field, one for myself. I think mm. for the field, something I've been really encouraged about connecting my dissertation um, which we didn't really talk about this a ton in the episode, but I've been really encouraged by people's responses to undergrad voices, written work, perspective. Um, in a publication sense, right? Like we already know that we value student papers and student assignments and having them share in class. But I do want to give some credit. Dr. Julie Owen had at the end of every one of her chapters in her book, We Are the Leaders We've Been Waiting For. She had undergrad share some written narratives and my students have really latched onto that in class. Mm-hmm. And then um, we have a forthcoming book coming out this August about women's narratives that has 40 undergraduate women from across country in their voices in there. And then talking about some upcoming projects with colleagues from around the country about how do we have student written work in some of our places as, as evidence, as elevating voices and perspectives. And I think I'm really encouraged that our field is kind of leading the forefront of how do we include diverse voices in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Of like students who they don't have the master's, they don't have the PhDs. They probably have never written before. Anna and I have an NDSL, New Directions for Student Leadership coming out in 2024. And I'm writing with one of my previous students for my courses who works in finance consulting, um, but talking back about her experience of being in the class and how she translated post-career and how do we bring those voices into our field and our work that inform in different ways. And I think we've done it for a long time, but it would be with like sociology scholars and like still folks that are in academia. And I think branching beyond that, it makes you really excited about where scholarship in our field is headed Mm -hmm. and how we consider knowledge and research and all of that too. But Mm -hmm. on that same note, I'm excited for myself that Um, This next phase of my chapter, I'm not necessarily in a traditional faculty role. I'm not in a traditional practitioner Mm -hmm. role. So I get to do a lot more of saying yes to projects that are energizing rather than like, I still have to write my dissertation. I still have to do this. I still have classroom papers that are due, Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not I like them, want to do them, have energy around them. So I'm excited I could take ownership of my work in a new way. I think in this new chapter, I get to be, just take on things that are energized and exciting about, of course, you always have work that has to happen, right? But I think I have a lot more autonomy in this next phase to say like, what is energizing me? Where do I want my career to go? What projects do I want to really give my time and energy to? Similar to UV, right? Like this new chapter, Mm -hmm. I think we get to take a lot more authorship and ownership over what professional development, engagement with the field, all that looks like for us and I'm really excited about that and wrap my head around what it looks like and and kind of taking it project by project rather than having some grand plan of like what's supposed to come next. Um, I was talking to a mentor the other day and they were like, what do you think of like you know if you're thinking about like five years from now and I was like I am thinking about five years from now and when I'm t- to thinking about projects, Derek and I just talk about one earlier today. And I was like, that sounds really interesting and energizing right now. So like, yes, like mm-hmm. that for me right now with what I have to give and what I want to do. Yes. I'm not thinking about it anymore. Like, oh, is that going to be, is that going to make sense in five mm-hmm. years have been like made sense for trajectory mm-hmm. um, more of just what I have to give and what I'm excited about. So that's where that also makes me excited for my own career and what comes next.
0: Yeah. Sense making such a tricky thing, right? Because we were, we were just talking last time about how when you're in the forest, it mm-hmm. doesn't look like you have a way out. But when you look back at where you've been, it absolutely seems like a straight line. Yeah. (laughs) There there was no way you could have made a bad decision. (laughs) Yeah. It got you to exactly where you needed to be, but it totally didn't feel that way at the time. Yeah.
2: I think it's the trusting the process, right? Like All of the things that the four of us are doing and probably all of us are doing, they're all serving our careers and hopefully serving ourselves and getting us on the, the path that we need to be on. But I think just trusting that more of not being like... And, I, and, you know, and that's part of the doc process, right? They teach you all the time, like, oh, you have these holes, quote unquote, holes in your CV, or you have these holes in your experience, or you've got to get these things to to make you a well-rounded candidate. And I think what's energizing for me is that that won't necessarily be at the forefront of mm-hmm. conversations anymore. It's, what do you want to do, V? What do you want to do, Anna? What do you want to do, Brittany? Like, post-grad, you get to do more of that. Like, what makes sense for you and your energy and interests?
0: And one day that will be you, Derek. I know you're sort of sitting there nodding. Derek, like you're me so I'm like, <laughs> you're so glad
3: soon. to hear. Glad to hear there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's
2: light, st- light, <laughs> light. We're giving you the light.
0: There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's more than just the train bearing down on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Derek, uh, since you're swimming anchor for us once again today, can you tell us a little bit about what's most exciting in your event horizon?
3: Yeah, I know for me, I took this question in more of, like, time periods. So, like, short-term, mid-term, long-term. So, yeah. In the short term, I'm excited to wrap up the semester. Um, yes. One of the things that I very much enjoyed, but very much deteriorated my um, plans is that I was able to participate in Florida State's um, study abroad practicum in London. So I was able to go to London mm-hmm. this semester. Loved it. If the, anybody of our listeners are in the UK in the higher education system and are hiring, remember my name. <laughs> I know I that trip changed my whole perspective on a lot of different things, especially someone who's looking to study marginalized identities and social groups and all that thing for a dissertation and research agenda. I think it was very important to see that come out. One of the things is, I don't know if I've revealed this before, but I'm Cuban American. And the first thing that I saw once I got off the study center, Florida State Study Center, we turned the corner, was a Cuban flag in the Department of Tourism. And I was like in the middle of London. And I said, oh, they knew I was coming. Mm-hmm. So I was <laughs> so I was excited to, to see that. And I think that experience helped ground me for the rest of the semester, but Mm. also this semester I was able to take a queer studies class. um, And it just, I even had this conversation with Brittany. I think it may have almost changed my whole research agenda dissertation topic. That's amazing. Um, Kind of fun things. And I think that's something that I don't think it will change what I originally wanted to study, but it definitely added another component to what I would like to be known as in the field. Right. Mm. Um, So hopefully we'll have some upcoming things coming out on that I've submitted a few proposals here and there for certain pieces, so we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, um, some of that will be able to come out soon. Midterm, one of the things that I was excited for is that I love, if anybody knows me, I don't think any of like my like high school friends are hearing this or anything, <laughs> right? But I've always been someone that likes to be involved in as much things as I can be. So I'm excited to be serving on the Advisory Council for the Racial Equity and Social Change Conference hosted by NASPA. So nice. that'll be in December. So I'm excited to get that kind of, Fix of my research agenda in a space that's conducive of that. So I'm excited to be able to serve in that capacity and any other things that'll probably call on me between here and there. So I'm just excited for that involvement. And just long term, I think I'm just. I I was having this conversation with one of my other friends that she's doing her PhD in communications here at Florida State, and it's gotten to the point that long term, I I've gotten all my degrees from Florida State, Mm. and I think. I although I think I Tallahassee has been my home for so long, I'm ready to leave home again, Mm -hmm. like how I did when I was 17. Mm -hmm. And I went to college in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not going nowhere until I get my letters behind my name. But graduation is the (laughs) Mm -hmm. first goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is, I think it's important to, to think ahead as to like, what, what do those next steps look like? And to think earlier than later, because I'm the type of person that I like to have options. So I definitely am looking forward to as that day gets closer, seeing what options are available, because I can't necessarily start planning right now. Mm -hmm. But I do think um, in terms of like, starting the first, as someone who will be with a PhD starting a, the first full time job search that I'll ever do in my whole life, how will that look very Mm -hmm. different than people who have had that experience before and stuff like that. So I think long term is a lot of confusion, but I think it's good. Confusion, if that Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense, it's like Bernie. I think all of us said at one point in this episode is trusting that process, right? And I Mm -hmm. think I, I was never comfortable with that term until very recently, where I said the universe will kind of work itself out, and I need to, Mm -hmm. yes, worry about it, but take a take a chill pill. That kind of makes sense, you know.
2: that ties back beautifully to our last episode where V and I told PhD students to trust the process and be mm-hmm. open to the energy. So mm-hmm. when you talk about your dissertation topic, you saw V and I smile because we were talking mm-hmm. about that in the last episode of mm-hmm. um, when things energize, you just got to follow them.
3: That's right. 100%. I-
2: this works too hard to not do the things that make us happy.
3: Boy, there's
0: there's a statement. There's a statement to put in the books, huh? title of the episode
3: (laughs) i'll make sure to cite that on my as my dedication Um, personal
2: communication cite the podcast yeah cite the podcast you know that's right (laughs) shameless plug you can cite a podcast Mm -hmm. um but i really do i i think they believe that i think even more than trusting the process, I think it's the energy thing for me, because sometimes it is hard to trust the process, right? Because the process has not always served all of us. And I think that is, you can hold that to be true while also saying like, there is something about Derek about taking a class that you were taking as a random outside discipline course and being excited about it and just seeing where that goes. Or I talked about in the last episode, like at least writing that down, even if it's not your dissertation that you at, you know, Derek five years from now when he's in his first job or in a second job or whatever it may be, um, that he's able to go back and visit and be like, oh, remember that class I took five years ago? I really think I want to dig into that some more. So I think it's holding those things
3: close um, and knowing that they'll come up when they're ready, when we're ready to receive them. hundred percent. I think it's a whole blessings in disguise, but I wouldn't necessarily use the word in disguise. I think it's blessings in, in the continuum, right? Of like, they'll mm. come just kind of, you got to feel them out, mm-hmm. wake them out, whatever you kind of want to say. The universe is working. Mm-hmm. Universe, a deity you believe in, whatever you kind of want to share, I think it's important. Yeah. Too. Going back to the textbook that we use in my class on Juana Bordas' 10 Latino Leadership Principles, it's that faith, esperanza, that faith and hope that keeps mm-hmm. us going, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. it's that. That's true for the teachings that I have in my class, but I also think we all in the field of leadership education should resonate with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And of having those conversations on where's that critical hope for the future, right? Which some of us have shared throughout this season. A lot of our guests Mm -hmm. and hosts in the past before any of us were here have shared as well and i think that hope only continues to grow it doesn't diminish Mm
1: -hmm.
3: one last
2: hope i had that i think will help us kind of in our outro is um i know derek is committed to make this work but i think that our field is starting to value so many forms of scholarship like this podcast i've been Mm -hmm. thankful as i've run into people at naspa or we've gotten kind emails or things too of folks that have found a scholarship outlet here. And that was, I think all of our hope was that it's going to place that was a little more digestible, maybe a little more fun um, uh-huh. and other places too, to, to learn and engage with community. So, I am hoping um, you all got that from the season. But I know that Derek is committed to making sure that continues to happen, at least in this space, mm-hmm. um, and in this way that you all will have this moving forward. Um, this NASA podcast, whatever it may look like.
0: Yeah, as as part of our initial descent too, Derek, Brittany, you you two recently won awards. Oh, NASPA, could you we tell me?
2: too, our, you? our lovely hosts and sponsors. I
0: was just yes, going to say
3: also won, We also got a sponsor session from them at NASPA. So, you know, yes. we, mm-hmm. so we they were nice a to out us.
1: To <laughs> we so love nice. Them. yeah,
3: <laughs> Yeah, Brittany. So, I think it's important that we, I like that we're talking about this, right? Because I think we had a conversation. Mm-hmm. on like, we also in the field, we don't self brag, right? And I think sometimes mm-hmm. self bragging is a way of self preservation and just mm-hmm. maybe manifesting that yeah, mm-hmm. we did do something that's worth maybe not necessarily celebrating, but at least mentioning, right. Um, celebrating the big wins and the small wins and every win and losses in between, mm-hmm. right. It's so yeah. important in the field. But yeah, so I know Aubrey, I'll bring all like you say your award, but I was very honored to win the outstanding contributions to the student leadership programs knowledge community award. Um, This past year, I was excited to um, not only be able to do this hat of helping with the podcast, but also uh, serving as the communications team lead. So not only doing the podcast, but helping overall our communications kind of outreach. So I was very glad and honored and honestly excited to be able to showcase that that I could get that award because one of the things that I usually struggle with in the academy is I'm being so young and full transparency. I'm three months from turning 26, right? So I'm very- <laughs> right. Okay. insurance. Right, correct. <laughs> I, get, I get all the, the targeted Facebook ads because they know uh-huh. my birthday. 26 mm-hmm. and losing coverage. I'm like, yep, that's <laughs> it. Um, so I get all of those and i and I just, at times I feel, we talk a lot about ageism in some of our courses and I mm-hmm. see, I experienced that in the reverse, right? Of like what we traditionally think of being too young in an academy or being too young in a PhD program or being too young to win all these mm-hmm. accolades and awards. And I was telling my advisor, Dr. Kathy Guthrie, at one point I said, my, I would have never thought at this point in my life my age would be becoming one of my most salient identities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And because of the way that I am almost socialized to show up in places, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as all of you know me, I'm this like, loud, like screamy kind of guy, like, that's who I am Mm -hmm. as like a human being. And sometimes that's not how I have to be. But also why is that what what structures Mm -hmm. and systems are put in Mm -hmm. place Mm -hmm. that don't consider that a academic or a professional or a whatever i'm using air quotes mm-hmm. for the folks that are um, <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: they can't see you yeah they can't, right, see, they can't see, the see you with the air quotes
3: i was like i promise it's not literal. <laughs> um but yeah so like how, how do those how do my identities going back to also mm-hmm. like my identities just overall right how do those come into play at such a young age i think my age is being centered in a lot of these places and spaces and i don't know this has me thinking a lot about leadership Overall and how we talk, we I think a lot of people equate experience to years or time mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. an experience. We all, I say someone could have lived a completely different experience than I have and be my same age. So why do we have to equate that to yeah. time, right? So I think it's an important piece to that. But yes, I know I went off on a tangent. So Brittany, if you want to tell us your award, I think it'd be
2: yeah great to share. I'm happy to share. Um, So I won the NASPA SLPKC Outstanding Emerging Professional Award, which is exciting because it came out three or four days after I found out about my next step in my job. So it was a fun way to kind of celebrate that news as well as an emerging professional in, in the work. And similar to Derek, I think, right. It's just a nice affirmation that our, our work is seen and, and is, encourage in the field but I also would tell folks that are listening like look for these calls to awards don't be afraid to nudge someone or just put your name out there or whatever it may be because NASPA does an excellent job with all of the knowledge communities including the SLPKC of making sure they're awarding emerging voices emerging scholars folks that are starting to give back to NASPA the way that Derek has and and other places too so look out for those they come out Typically in fall, most people see the NASPA like national awards, like the big ones, like Mm -hmm. pillars, Um, Mm -hmm. but there's all these um, smaller KCs that really are more on your functional area and see your work more in those spaces. So um, highly encourage folks, especially folks newer in their careers, to keep an eye on those. And they oftentimes have grants and things too that can fund your Mm research or programs or um, other innovative projects and work you're doing too. So keep an eye out for those in the fall.
0: Mm -hmm. And Brittany, didn't you you also win... An award from florida state can you
3: tell us a little bit about that
1: i did, did
2: one
3: awards too. awards floral yes that's my friend we have to hype her up i you know? did uh-huh. win two
2: awards last week from florida state which has also been better I at my time here so i won the outstanding faculty staff award for fraternity and sorority life um which has that been is. really wonderful that one is student nominated so it really meant a lot for the students that I get to work with and teach. And, and that was really beautiful and kind. And then the Division of Student Affairs had their award ceremony and I won the Hardy Research Award for some of my dissertation work and the work I've done on campus. So it's been very nice to put a little bow on my time here and feel mm-hmm. just get to celebrate with people, right? It's like a really fun time to get to spend together in community celebrating. So mm-hmm. yes, thank you for all of your attentiveness to my social media. I appreciate um <laughs> my that's cheering why. squad here
0: that's why Thank we're you here so much and speaking speaking of celebrations and things on social media anna you had a birthday recently didn't you
1: oh my goodness happy <laughs> belated yes, birthday,
2: happy
0: belated <laughs> birthday <Thanks. Anna. laughs>
2: now we're really going to be showing when this podcast was recorded and happy <laughs> birthday and they'll celebrate in a couple weeks when this comes out a <laughs> second celebration tonight. just keep mm-hmm. going Mm -hmm. that's right keep the birthday celebrations going and v is coming down again this won't mean much to when they listen but you're coming down soon to Mm -hmm. get all settled here and get ready for the big move so Mm -hmm. lots Mm -hmm. of celebrations to happen which feels fun for our last episode
0: that's right that's right there's what do they say there's nothing nothing constant like change and i feel like we are all sitting in in that right now together thankfully
2: fun changes Thankfully, yeah, like, let's keep manifesting thankful. good changes, Yeah, that's all right. Right. <laughs> good. good and positive changes,
0: good changes for all. So as we wrap up our time together today and for the season, I want to sincerely thank all of you on the production team for sharing of yourselves and for all of your help in front of and behind the microphone. It has been such an honor and a privilege to have worked with each of you on this.
2: It's the best. It's so fun. This is a fun <laughs> way to engage in community.
1: Yeah. yes this has been a wonderful opportunity and i'm so excited that we get to spend this time together and share with you all
3: and i'm so glad we also get to document this right it's not just yeah. music, It's also it's also shareable so hopefully people can as we say radiate the vibes from mm-hmm. from your spotify mm-hmm. apple play podcast whatever mm-hmm. you're using to listen to us hopefully we'll be able yeah. to get that hopefully a smile every once in a while in a time where maybe we may feel we don't have places to smile as much in society so
2: I have to say, I think we were pretty funny at some points this season. So Mm -hmm. I hope we gave a laugh, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. If if nothing else, right?
0: If if the audience got nothing else from this time together, hopefully you got a chuckle or two, right?
2: And when I hope that everyone's favorite V and I were reminiscing earlier today, the the openings of the episode, love, but especially Sanja's with the khaki shorts.
3: I was about to say
2: (laughs) an incredible TF for a good episode. Yeah. I learned a lot this season from our guests and and you all and. Um, I feel like I learned a ton, so I hope listeners did too.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again to all of our guests who were able to join us, and for those of you who weren't able to join us, if you listen to our podcast, know that we didn't take your name off the list. We're coming back around for you mm-hmm. or whoever mm-hmm. is going to be helming this ship in the future. Uh, we've got we've got some, we've got some contact information to, to pass along uh-huh. to the next production sure do. Scene as well. So thanks again to the Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community for giving us this opportunity to hang out with one another and let everybody listen to what we would probably be doing. <laughs> uh, so for the last time, that's all for us. Catch you next time. The NASPA SLPKC podcast is a production of the Student Affairs Administrators and Higher Education's Student Leadership Programs Knowledge Community. As the leading voice of student affairs, NASPA drives innovation and evidence-based student-centered practice throughout higher education nationally, and globally. The mission of the SLPKC is to serve as a resource for higher education professionals who have an interest in leadership training, education, and development. The podcast is produced by Derek Pacheco and hosted by Brittany Devies, Anna Maya, and me, Vichinu. The music featured on our episodes comes from pixabay.com. Find us on Twitter at NASPAtweets. Tweets, send email to slpchairs at gmail.com, and find links to our references from this episode in the show notes. Thank you, as always, for listening.